Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the business of cannabis. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg talk with the CEOs, politicians, and cultural icons driving the cannabis industry forward. It seems like there's always something big happening in the legal marijuana industry, and this week is no exception, with adult-use cannabis becoming legal nationwide in Canada as of October 17th. Today, Ann and Lewis are chatting with Representative Earl Blumenauer, a House Democrat from Oregon, one of those Western states that really led the charge on marijuana legalization. He's represented Oregon as a congressman for more than 20 years and has been a pivotal player in the marijuana legalization movement since its beginning, with Oregon being one of the first states to legalize medical cannabis back in 1998, making history again in 2012 when it passed adult use. I think it's fair to say that Representative Blumenauer is well qualified to talk about our favorite topic. So don't sit back, lean forward. And now on to our interview with Congressman Earl Blumenauer. And it's been almost a year to the day since we started doing this together. Um, and Mazel tov. Happy yes. birthday. It's a baby. Woo. Um, and I, first of all, I want to thank you. Um, I have had so much fun. This has been such a great opportunity for me to learn. And also um, because I can't do stand up, I can do my bad jokes here and I get people to kind of shake their head on the, on, on, on their headphones. Um, but I really appreciate you partnering. Um, and in all truth and full disclosure, this was your idea. Um, so thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, um, it was my idea, but it was not my idea to co-host. <laughs> That's also important. So that was your idea. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. You're welcome. To, to get out of my comfort zone. Um, so speaking of getting out of the comfort zone, since we're almost a year into this, um, or we are exactly a year into this, um, I know that we have been talking about how do we make the show better? Um, because while some of the stuff we do is great and the hostfuls are fun, you know, I think that we're not drawing the audience in right like you guys who are listening um you, oftentimes you just jump we jump right into the interview so we we had a brainstorm and we talked with nick and we talked with shay and actually we talked with another guy here john goldberg um and came up with a new idea that on a weekly basis we are going to start the show um by asking one journalist or one key influencer what is the most important story we should all be paying attention to? Um, and it's not going to be more than three to five minutes. And then after that, we'll get into the interviews. But it's the kind of thing where hopefully you and I will both go, oh, shit, I, I need to be paying attention to that and, and go read something. But more importantly, you guys who are listening um, will go, ah, that was awesome. And then we'll get into the interview. Um, and this week's interview is just awesome. Um, mad, mad props out to Nick Opich for, for landing this. And, you know, he gets to join us every now and then. Um, and you and Nick have done a great job co-hosting when I've been out. Um, and Nick has done a great job with me when you've been out. Um, but he books a lot of the guests and today's guests is a guest is a major get. For sure. Um, and I think we also need to, to thank Shay, um, and for his guidance and for his tutelage and for his just being an overall awesome partner. And if you guys aren't listening to Marijuana Today Daily, you are missing out. So please, um, if you're listening to us, you're going to find value in Marijuana Today Daily. Okay. And so today, our first um, journalist 
who's going to be joining us is kind of a journalist, um, but he's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's Alan Brockstein from 420 Investor uh, and New Cannabis Ventures. So, um, Alan, what have we all been missing? All right. So I'm going to surprise the audience. I'm sure most people are thinking Canada legalizing, and I don't want to deny the importance of that. But there's something bigger going on, and that is the land grab in the United States. And I want to break it into two pieces. So first of all, we saw Canopy Growth make a very large acquisition of uh, substantially all the assets of Colorado-based EBU. To be real clear, this doesn't mean that Canopy Growth is entering the United States, but it's an IP purchase of a U.S. company that just kind of drives home a central theme that the cannabis uh, capital of the world in terms of intellectual capital uh, is in the United States. And the money capital may be in Canada, And which gets me to the second point. Uh, We have seen two very large transactions announced, ironically, on the evening after Canada legalized. They were kind enough to let Canada enjoy its uh, day. (laughs) But... uh, Right. But by the time the day was over, uh, we had two recent, relatively recent uh, special purpose acquisition corps or SPACs uh, finally announced their big plans. And one of them, the more recent one, is Canaccord Genuities SPAC. And uh, your, your listeners should probably know Canaccord Genuity very actively involved in the space. They're betting big on the United States, and what they've done is created this vehicle to merge with Columbia Care, which is one of the larger uh, national uh, footprint uh, cannabis companies, uh, 100% on the medical side in the United States. So Six, that, 60 stores. So, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to me. And it had a pretty low valuation, I think, based on just what I would have expected, uh, an implied value of $1.35 billion, but the SPAC traded up like 35% yesterday. Uh, Point being, though, uh, well, let me get the second one was uh, uh, one that was done. Cannabis uh, Acquisition Strategy. No, Cannabis uh, Strategy Acquisition Corp. That's it. It was done in December uh, as well. And they announced a uh, roll-up of five different cannabis companies in the United States, uh, Sierra Naturals in uh, Massachusetts, and then four others in uh, basically in Nevada. And so uh, they have used this vehicle to bring together these companies. This isn't the first time we've we've seen Canada obviously be the source of capital for these U.S. deals. So I, I think this is really the big story. Uh, Canada legalizing has been a big story. It's been the big focus of, of everybody. But what's really going on, in my opinion, is a shift in the attention to the United States, whether it's figuring out ways to get the IP out of the United States, like Canopy Growth has done with EBU, or uh, actually uh, putting into the public markets some of the leading uh, revenue generators in the country. That was awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Hi, Congressman. It's Ann Donahoe. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We really appreciate you taking the time. Let's jump right in. Let's talk about the memo earlier this week. You made news uh, by issuing a really bold roadmap, very specific roadmap for Democrats to use um, for the new Congress. Um, And you even said to Bloomberg that you think that cannabis will, quote, move in the next six months. Why do you feel like now was the time to issue that memo? Well, this is the culmination Uh, for me, of years of working on this issue. And I think we're watching it come to 
ahead. The, uh, we're having four more elections this fall. In fact, I'm uh, in Missouri tomorrow uh, campaigning for their ballot measure. Uh, we have more candidates than ever before that are actually talking about this. We have had remarkable progress despite the unrelenting opposition of the Republican leadership in Congress. We now have virtually every Democrat on board, and we have several dozen Republicans. Um, the major roadblocks have been three people. I mean, it's the Republican head of the Judiciary Committee, Bob Goodlatte, the Republican Speaker, Paul Ryan, and the Republican Chair of the Rules Committee, Pete Sessions, who've been uh, just uh, thwarting our efforts. And two of the three are not coming back. <laughs> and candidly, I think Pete Sessions is in the race of his life, in part because he's been the number one enemy of marijuana reform in Congress. Um, and, it's, uh, and there's a very good chance that Democrats will uh, take control. So I think it's all teed up, ready to go. We have more support from the public than ever before. Uh, we have three states that are going to be two, maybe three states that will be added to the column, and it looks like we've worked out a deal in Utah. The time is right. So um, this is Lewis speaking, Congressman. <clears throat> and over the last couple months, I've said repeatedly that I think that we're going to see an October surprise um, related to cannabis specifically, that that because of what happened with GW Pharma and the, the FDA's approval of Epidiolex, that the, the president will do something, whether it be deschedule or reschedule or do something that he'll be able to claim that he legalized cannabis. Um, do you see something like that happening before the midterms or, or do you think I'm just kind of talking out my butt? Well, uh, you know, I can't imagine anybody who knows what this guy's going to do. <laughs> um, I don't think he knows what I, he's going to do. Well, that's the case, but I think, um, it would, uh, uh, they have an administration, uh, that has been decidedly uh, unfriendly. Uh, they have had opportunities uh, for 20 months to make a difference, and they haven't. Um, they've allowed uh, Jeff Sessions to cast a cloud. Um, what I, I'll tell you, the October surprise is that we're going to elect uh, the most pro-cannabis Congress in history, and we're starting from a pretty good space, uh, we will have more successes at the ballot box that, uh, that follow up on success after success we've had around the country. The October surprise is that the people will speak, and we're going to be in a position to be able to act on the outline that I put out this week. Well, I like that October surprise much better than I like Lewis's idea of an me October too. surprise. Trust me, but, me too. But what, I mean, worst case scenario, and I certainly don't mean to be negative because I do really believe in this blue wave um, and that there's a lot of energy in the Democratic base. But let's say the Democrats don't win the House and there's no October surprise. Do you think that that your um, that your colleague, uh, Representative Dana Rohrabacher, is right when he says that that Trump and the Republicans will get this done in 2019? 
Well, I mean, the table is set, and we have seen remarkable progress. But if they continue to have leadership that is opposed to us, uh, like the tech, I mean, this was this was teed up. There was no reason that this should have been a problem. Uh, as you know, my veterans access legislation passed both the House and the Senate last Congress. Uh, we should have been able to move. Uh, one of the things I've worked very hard in is when I established the Cannabis Caucus was to make it bipartisan. Um, I cooperate with any uh, member of the, of the House in either party, and in fact, people in the Senate who are advancing legislation that's consistent with our principles. Um, as a practical matter, uh, the Republicans have been very, very hard to read, and their leadership has uh, been hostile. Uh, there was a chance for people to have forced this uh, earlier. Um, I, I hope that, uh, regardless of who's in charge, that we move forward with my blueprint. I just know that if Democrats are in charge, it's much more likely to happen. Has leadership, when they saw the blueprint, did they, did they say, yeah, we're in? Um, or were they, mm, they, they, you know, because all of the polling says that bipartisan Republicans, Democrats, self-proclaimed conservatives or progressives, everybody supports cannabis either from a, a medicinal or an adult use perspective. But the Democratic leadership doesn't seem to have embraced it. It's not like Nancy Pelosi is out there running on this issue. Um, so when you issued the memo, what did the leadership say? Well, I mean, understand in this climate, when there are uh, hundreds of millions of dollars that are being spent to misrepresent uh, the Democratic positions and to attack candidates. I mean, look at Beto O'Rourke, uh, who has been consistent back uh, 10 years ago when he was a city council person in El Paso, uh, believing that we ought to reform marijuana legislation. And Ted Cruz and dark money are pretending like he wants to somehow legalize every single drug, get rid of all controls, be able to... Uh, assault our families. I mean, that's, that is what the other side would do if they were given an opening. And candidly, I understand that um, Nancy Pelosi is not saying uh, this is a major priority. That's all you'd hear for two weeks, uh, misrepresenting what she said and what she believes in. Go look at Nancy's record. She has supported every single one of our votes on the floor of the House. She has been clear that she thinks that reform makes sense. But uh, I think she shouldn't uh, say that this is a major priority. It doesn't, it's, it's not my number one priority. But I, it I... is uh, important to do, and we can do more things uh, than one at a time. So we can deal with the health care crisis, deal with the immigration crisis, deal with the fact that America's infrastructure is falling apart, and still follow the outline that I presented. There's an opportunity for each committee over the next few months of the new Congress to be able to lay the groundwork for this. 
many of these things are keyed up and ready to go. Um, so I think one of the first things that will happen deals with the insanity of forcing state legal marijuana businesses to be conducted on an all-cash basis. Now, I've been working in this space for years. I have traveled from uh, Anger, Maine to Santa Barbara. Uh, I've worked on the ballot measures. I've never met a single person who thinks that state legal cannabis businesses should be conducted on an all-cash basis. The notion that we have people with backpacks and shopping bags full of $20 bills scurrying around every day uh, is lunacy. It's not safe. It's not, it doesn't make sense from a business perspective. Um, and if you really care about law enforcement, it's an invitation to tax evasion and money laundering. Uh, we've got legislation ready to go with Ed Perlmutter and Denny Heck from Colorado and from Washington State, both on the Financial Services Committee. I think when we're in charge, that legislation moves um, in a matter of months. So this this issue has has really brought to light the concept that you know politics makes strange bedfellows, and your 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 partnership with Congressman Rohrabacher, and then the the you know the the forward looking. Uh, positions that Congressman Corbello or David Joyce from Ohio have taken, um, they're all relatively very conservative Republicans. Um, and other than than you and just a handful of others, it doesn't really feel like the Democrats have embraced this issue with, with open arms. I'm, I'm joking that they should be holding a plant running to the polls with it, but but they're not. And again, the polling is so so strongly in favor, especially amongst Democrats of this issue. I just don't I, I wish I wish I could understand more why the Democrats as a party aren't embracing this because it hits on social justice. It hits on tax. It hits on on, you know, money for infrastructure, all that that stuff. Well, I just I reject the premise. There are a number of Democrats uh, who, in fact, embrace uh, full legalization, virtually all of them support medical marijuana. Uh, look at the number of candidates running around the country. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's just not true that uh, there aren't uh, a wide variety of Democrats who are there and who are supportive. And in the Senate, Cory Booker, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, my own uh, Senator uh Actually, both my senators, Jeff Merkley and Ron Wyden, have been extraordinarily supportive. Uh, it's, it's, it is uh, uh, what we see with Kim Walsh, uh, who's running for governor of Minnesota, but having advanced uh, on the Veterans Committee, uh, moving for marijuana research. Uh, Barbara Lee. I mean, there are there are candidates and members of Congress who have been very clear and very forceful. Uh, Joaquin Jeffers, I mean, uh, Gary Nadler. Um, I, just, I, I reject the proposition. Now, there, part of it is that there's a lot of uh, issues that people are contending with, and there is a crisis every day from uh, Donald Trump setting his hair on fire uh, and trying to put it out with a hammer. Uh, so <laughs> That's a great very, image. 
well, I mean, it's so there's there there is literally a crisis a day. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at uh, where the candidates stand, if you look at where our members have voted and what they believe in, and the legislation that they've co-sponsored, I mean, there is a wide variety of uh, legislation. We have something like uh, over 30 pieces of legislation in the House, uh, and the majority of the people who are supporting these are Democrats. Now, I, uh, I uh, in, encourage uh, the work with uh, Carlos and Dave and Dana. Um, that's, that's good. Uh, and I, I have worked with them at every turn because we're trying to get something through this uh, Republican Congress that has uh, sort of uh, shut us down. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, I've talked to, uh, you know, I've, I've sent material and engaged over 90 uh, Democrats running for Congress. I know where they're at, and a number of them are, in fact, talking about it. They support it. They're not ducking it on the campaign trail. But, uh, again, the same uh, point uh, that the, the climate that we have now it's so easy to mischaracterize what people have said and what they believe. Um, and if uh, somebody claimed that this was, you know, their number one priority or, or even one of the top priorities, uh, they would have this uh, millions of dollars of dark money uh, misrepresent what they said and what they believe uh, and create problems for them. Uh, they don't need to do that. We don't need them to do that, to be successful. We just need people to be clear, to support simple common sense things for the industry, uh, to make sure that they support uh, eliminating the banking problems, the way the federal government gets in the, uh, interferes with research, uh, the, the veterans access issue. Um, I mean, people stand behind the simple common sense steps that are in the blueprint that I outlined. And I think you will see support for moving it forward. Congressman, you're spending a lot of time um, this week uh, in Missouri on the campaign trail. And you've said that if Missouri is willing to support medical marijuana, you think the tide will change nationally and that we're in the home stretch. Um, why, why Missouri and I guess my follow-up there is, why do you think the federal government as a whole has been so far behind this particular issue? And not just in the era in, uh, of Trump, but but why couldn't Obama get it done either? I guess that's a big question, but <laughs> take it piece by piece however you like. What you have on the, fe on the federal level, let me take these in reverse order, on the federal level is the legacy of Richard Nixon weaponizing mm. the opposition to marijuana reform. He rejected the recommendation of his own Blue Ribbon uh, Commission, um, chaired by the, the governor of Pennsylvania, for heaven's sakes, who concluded, you know, uh, that the concerns about uh, cannabis are overblown, uh, that it's no more harmful than many things that are legal, in fact, less harmful than things that are legal, like cigarettes. Uh, Nixon alcohol. decided for purely political reasons uh, that he was going to demonize uh, young people and people of color 
uh, with marijuana and his war on drugs. Um, and that's been deeply embedded, and it was continued with Reagan. Uh, Republicans in Congress at every turn, uh, we've spent a trillion dollars on this. Uh, Obama, uh, to his credit, when we had the election in uh, uh, 2012, um, he indicated he had bigger fish to fry. He wasn't going to interfere, even though it wasn't uh, legal under federal statute. Uh, under his watch, the coal memo was promulgated. There was treasury guidance. It was kind of live and let live, and as long as people followed the rules, the federal government wouldn't interfere with them. Um, I had hoped that we might go further, but the fact is that the decision that Obama made and the fact that he was the first president of the United States to tell the truth. Yeah, I, huh. I smoked marijuana, and frankly, it was... Uh, less dangerous than stuff that was legal. Um, uh, you know, I just um, think that it's uh, we're, we're watching these pieces come together. They've been building. The reason I pointed out the significance of Missouri, you know, that's the show me state, right? Uh, it's in the <laughs> yep. heartland. Uh, it's a political. It's a political battlefield. Um, and there's lots of dark money and other things flowing around, and you've got three flipping ballot measures, including one that was written by a guy who would make himself the cannabis czar, uh, which is sort of weird. Um, but if in Missouri, uh, that with all the political cross currents, um, if the show me state goes ahead, which I think it will, and approves ballot measure. Too, um, uh, I think it's an important signal uh, to more of Middle America. Uh, where we've won the coast, we've won a number of uh, pro more progressive states. Um, if uh, Missouri comes on board, I think other dominoes will fall. So this week, <clears throat> we are recording this on October 19th, was a huge week for cannabis. Um, and some, some would say maybe the biggest week yet in the history of the legalization uh, movement with um, Canada going federally legal on October 17th. Do you think this is going to have any impact on our policy, um, whether it be from a financial services perspective or, or anywhere at the federal level? I mean, can 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 the Trump administration look to Trudeau and say yes or no? Well, you're right. Uh, this has been a huge week. Uh, when Canada went full legal uh, on October 17th, uh, this is only the second country, um, and uh, in Canada is a sophisticated, rich, uh, forward-thinking country, uh, but it's. It's not uh, uniformly uh, uh, progressive uh, for uh, the administration, uh, the government to campaign on legalization and then to follow through on it is extraordinarily significant. And it's already having an effect in the United States. You look at what's happening with com companies that have operations on both sides of the border taking advantage of Canada being able to uh, have uh, uh, listings on their stock exchange for cannabis companies, 
people are, are uh, uh, investing in one another. Uh, it's the Canadian border uh, goes along uh, virtually, oh, I think all but two of these of the states uh, have medical or uh, adult use from Washington to Maine. Um, uh, it's, it's opened the eyes and the opportunity for joint investment. Uh, I think this is extraordinarily significant. So at the same time, we're looking at interest in Mexico. They're interested in legalization. Uh, the notion of a North American cannabis uh, coalition um, uh, is, uh, I think, remarkable. You mentioned the border, um, and, and there is there have been now a series of Canadians who have been stopped at the border who work in the industry. Um and Americans, and we know some of our clients have actually been stopped at the border who are, are um, you know, C-suites in public American companies. What's going on there? I mean, is this Jeff Sessions? Is this Donald Trump? I mean, how, why is this happening? Well, part of the problem is this misdirected war on drugs gives people, uh, the American authorities at the border, the right to deny permanently entry in the United States for anyone who admits that they've used marijuana. Uh, the problems with people who are in the marijuana business. Uh, that's why I introduced what I call the Maple Act this week. Um, uh, announced it. We'll introduce it when we're back in session. Uh, that would fix this. Um, because, and, and one of the reasons we announced it this week uh, when Canada went full legal is that there are a lot of people that do not know that they're at risk. They don't have to answer that question from the Border Patrol. Uh, but if they do answer it truthfully and admit uh, to using cannabis, they can be denied entry to the United States for life. So we need to have people be aware of this. And then we need to, uh, I think most members of Congress were unaware. And I think this is one of the pieces of legislation will be able to move pretty quickly to fix because it's insane. People who are involved in a legal business or people who are taking their medicine being denied entry in the United States for the rest of their life, nobody wants that. And I think this is an example of something we'll be able to change, and it's, it's why I introduced the, the Maple Act. Congressman, we have two more questions for you. Do you have, uh, do you have five more minutes for us? I'm going to have to wrap this up because I'm running out of voice. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so one more quick question. We have a new segment on the show work that we call While You Were Sleeping. Can you tell us one thing that the public or press is missing when it comes to cannabis? In other words, what's the one story that you wish you were reading in the Oregonian but you are not? Well, what I just said about the in, just a really uh, remarkably foolish policy that will deny entry of people in the United States from Canada who take their medicine. I think that is outrageous. Um, I think people don't know. Uh, I think the more people understand, the easier it would be to change. And I think this is an example of the incremental progress that, that we make. And when these dominoes start falling uh, with the passage of my maple app, 
the veterans access legislation, the banking. We start getting the momentum, uh, and I think uh, these things will pass not only through the House, but through the Senate, and set the stage for the ultimate um, treatment of marijuana like we treat alcohol. States will do what they want as long as they follow reasonable regulations. Uh, they're reasonably transparent, um, and I think America's ready for it. Well, Congressman, thank you so much for giving us this time. We really appreciate it. Um, and by the way, the question I asked about the thesis, um, which you completely corrected me on, was hopefully taken as a setup because um, it is great to see that the Democrats are, are embracing forward thinking and truly embracing the issue. And you have been a, a phenomenal advocate. So thank you very much. I think you're going to like the, the new uh, class of Democrats being elected, and I think they're going to help us get where we need to be. Awesome. We can't wait. Go vote. Everyone listening. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Congressman. Thanks to Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon. We will have links to everything that we talked about from his memo um, to his legislation matrix uh, to the Maple Act uh, in our show notes. Um, make sure you go vote, go register to vote, find out where you're supposed to vote, do your research, be a good citizen. Uh, for more on the congressman in general, head over to earlblumenauer.com or check him out on Twitter at repblumenauer. Or if you want to chat with us, you can always find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at KCSA underscore cannabis, as well as KCSA-cannabis.com. Or you can email Lewis at greenrush at KCSA.com. He loves hate mail. I got and my don't... first piece of hate mail. It was awesome. <laughs> so exciting. I was so exciting. And don't forget to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. That's One Take Shay, One Take.